Thanks for listening to the Doug Gottlieb Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday, 3 to 6 Eastern, 12 to 3 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Doug Gottlieb Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. Now let's get this party started. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. What up, Doug Gottlieb Show? Fox Sports Radio. Coming to you from beautiful, sunny Southern California. Welcome, welcome, welcome in. Um, let's start with this story. I, some people led with this story. We kind of, you know, my issue is, I, I don't think we cover the entire NFL like we cover the NFL, you know, for years when the Chargers were in San Diego. Even now in L.A., they're not covered the same as the Cowboys, uh, I guess the Rams who won the Super Bowl and the Pittsburgh Steelers and whatever. Some names, some teams don't resonate, right? Arizona Cardinals are one of those teams that, you know, if it was Larry Fitzgerald, we would talk about. It was Kurt Warner we would talk about. But generally, the Arizona Cardinals, like, we don't discuss a lot of their things, you know? So Cliff Kingsbury and Steve Kime both got an extension today. And here's the problem with the extension. We don't actually know if it has any meat to it, you know? And here's what I mean by... Uh, by meat to it it's we don't we don't know if it's how much is guaranteed money and how much the money actually is so when you see hey that's 2027 uh, you know and it's 2022 you're like wow that's a long time but how many of those years are avoidable yes they went five wins to eight wins to 11 wins Steve Kimes in his 10th season as GM, 24th with the organization. And you got to credit Steve Kimes on some level where he drafted Josh Rosen, had a first-year head coach, and decided neither were working, pulled the plug, and brought in Kingsbury. He's a controversial hire. They go and draft Kyler Murray, and it's, it, it's, it's generally worked. My guess is that the real money in this deal is in the next two or three years, and that there's got to be some language in there for Kingsbury that – you know, yes, he had one year left, so that would take him through 2023. This probably goes 24 and 25. There's also no salary cap for, for agents, for GMs and head coaches, so it doesn't really matter how much they pay him, but how long they owe him that money could determine how solidly he is in his standing as head coach. So the question becomes, all right, uh, why give him an extension? Well, you give him an extension because either one is contracts running out, which it sort of was. They had a year left. Most guys in the NFL don't coach with just one year left. Secondly, because you like the improvement and you expect to see more. Well, the question with Kingsbury is, is this the ceiling for the air raid offense? Is it too simplistic for the NFL? And I'm not sure we still have we still actually know because as much as Kyler Murray looked completely ill prepared for the LA Rams and their pass rush, he didn't have DeAndre Hopkins, and he hasn't had DeAndre Hopkins. The whole thing has looked different. So this is a hey, we like it. We're signing up for another year and have the ability to sign for two, but it's not like this is a lifetime contract where they move mountains. Kingsbury had no leverage. Kime, no real leverage. 
My guess is that it is a reward. There is financial incentive, but it's not the kind of, hey, here's the contract. Stay as long as you want. Here's as much money as you want. The question becomes, what happens with Kyler Murray, who his success and his play at the quarterback position is one of the things which has allowed both of these gentlemen to not only stay gainfully employed, but to get contract extensions. How responsible is he? He gets a, a, a ton of credit. They still don't have to pay him. He's under contract at minimum for two more years. And the reality is they can always franchise tag him. Just like Kingsbury's deal is probably a, hey, we're going to give you some money, but really we're waiting and seeing for the biggest of big money. That's likely what they're doing with Kyler Murray. You know, I mean, would you like to say, hey, all of them, all of them should get a contract extension. All are tied at the hip together. Sure. You'd like to say that. But the reality is, I don't think, like, contracts aren't just announced right after they're done. So, if, when did that post, the Kingsbury, the, the uh, Kyler Murray post actually came out, come out, Jay Stu? Uh, I think it was Monday. Monday right? morning? Was that I think it? it was, I, think, I think it was Monday morning as well. You know, I I think it was Monday morning as well. So if Monday morning that post comes out, right, which is basically, hey, give this guy a contract extension because he deserves it. And now Wednesday morning, this gets announced. The guess is that in, you know, when Kingsbury's agent, Eric Burkhart, who's also Kyler Murray's agent, when they came to some sort of agreement over the weekend or maybe, you know, even on Monday, he was met with the, that's great. We're not doing anything with Kyler right now. And so instead of pocketing that, okay, and continuing to try and negotiate behind closed doors, anytime you send out a tweet, put it on Instagram, you draw attention to it. You're not doing it because you're getting your way. You're doing it because you're not getting your way. So to people who have asked, does this mean Kyler Murray is getting his extension? I believe it means no, it does not. Now, it helps him as you have the GM who drafted him and the coach who recruited him uh, to college and has built an offense around his skills. But does it absolutely mean he's getting an extension? No, I don't believe it does. Bayer, do you agree? Do you disagree? Like, what do you think of what this extension means? Um... I, I listen. He actually deserves an extension for what they have been able to do. Um, they were not a good football team. He took over. What were they? Three wins when they drafted Kyler Murray, yes. uh, number one. Um, I I think that Cliff Kingsbury deserves it. I don't know if it's a true, um, you know, this is a defiant of of Kyler Murray. Who that's who I thought he was kind of. I thought Kyler was upset with Cliff Kingsbury. I think they're actually separate. I think that this is common stuff, just like Steve Kimes said about Kyler Murray's agent doing his, you know, that's what agents do. I don't think that there is a huge, um, you know, disagreement between Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray. I think that Kyler Murray just would want Cliff Kingsbury to maybe, I don't know, take a little bit more flack or at least have some off of his shoulders. But I don't think it's ownership siding with Cliff Kingsbury. Um by any means do you think you do think kings uh that kyler deserves a contract extension oh yeah yeah i i mean yeah but i but i don't think that he deserves it now like we're we're 
not even a month after the Super Bowl that happened. He was not eligible for an extension um, until this offseason. And so they took like the absolute first opportunity to be like, hey, we want an extension. I, I just I don't think that that's – I mean – like I understand wanting a new deal, but if you do it like immediately at the end of the season or just didn't like the first answer that you got, you have to understand that it's part of the negotiation. And to go and take it, you know, publicly the way that they did and to have the removing of the social media references to the Cardinals, to me it's just I it it's immature and it's just way too early in the negotiation to have that sort of tactic. Completely agree. Completely agree. Completely agree. Doug Gottlieb show here on Fox Sports. I got some Radio. news, Doug. Go. Uh, Kevin Durant is going to return for the Brooklyn Nets tomorrow night against Miami. Off the injury report, it will be his first game for Brooklyn since January fifteenth, Doug Gottlieb's birthday. That uh, Kevin Durant will be on the court. Had that sprained MCL, but he will return tomorrow night against the Heat. Okay, so you got KD back, and where is that game being played? I you know I don't know if it's in Miami or Brooklyn. I, well, Miami's yeah. on back to backs. They play tonight. Okay. So I it is in Brooklyn tomorrow. It's in Brooklyn. So then Kyrie still can't play, right? Correct. So weird. The whole thing is so weird. But uh, they're getting the band back together. That's that's only good news for Brooklyn, as they you know they need as much help as they can, and not having him would have meant they were going to lose that game. Now all of a sudden it becomes and, – and we're getting closer and closer to, to Simmons as well. Yeah, and, I, and I, I thought I saw on the scroll on ESPN that the Nets had the worst record in the NBA, like in the month of February, or at least in the span since Durant yeah. was out. Yeah. Yeah, they, yep. they desperately – they just need to get to the sixth. You don't want to you know play the play-in game. But again, as you and I talked about, that East bracket, the way that it's situated right now – you could have a scenario where any one of the the three, I'll put the Heat and I'll say the four top teams, could have a path. You know, like if you're Brooklyn, you may have to face the Sixers, Bucks, and Heat in your playoff run. And even though you're better than them, that is not a playoff road that I would want to take. No, no, it, it's not. Uh, it's, here's what's fascinating: so they got Miami, then they go to Boston, which you know Kyrie will play, and they also have Kyrie and KD. Then you go to Charlotte, Kyrie and KD, right? Game you can win. Then to Philadelphia. Then you'd assume Simmons comes back right after Philadelphia. They got a couple days off before they take on the – then they got Knicks, then to Orlando. But the problem with those next couple games is the Knicks game, the Dallas to Portland, when you assume you'll have Simmons, is you won't have – as of now, you won't have Kyrie. You know, so they have a bunch of winnable games coming up. I mean, they still have Detroit – uh, they still have, you know, another one with, with Portland, even though Portland's playing better, Houston. But a lot of these games are at home. And so they, they need that. I mean, one, they need KD, but they need Kyrie to be able to play at home before they can say, okay, now we can roll out and uh, we can actually beat, you know, start start getting a winning streak together. But you're right, that's, that's a difficult one. Let, let me get back to the Kingsbury story. Larry Fitzgerald Sr., of course, he's a talented writer in the Twin Cities. Okay, he tweeted that the two-time Pro Bowler, that's Kyler Murray, doesn't uh, doesn't know what it feels like to work through adversity, and that Murray needs to be humbled. Remember, this is the dad of Larry Fitzgerald, who of course is has retired, but with retired without really telling anybody. I'm, I'm assuming that 
Larry Fitzgerald Jr. will probably have some sort of formal announcement of retirement this year, this this offseason. But Larry Fitzgerald Sr., who's never been shy with his opinions as a sports writer, tweeted this. He's, he's spoiled, brings his Oklahoma offense to the NFL and has to catch uh, has to catch up. Great talent. He's never been humbled. Keep working. That was Fitzgerald. Now, I would disagree that he hasn't been humbled. Remember, he started as a freshman at his dad's alma mater at Texas A&M, lost his starting spot. I don't know if he was humbled then. Then he transferred to Oklahoma, and he had to sit behind Baker before ultimately getting the spot and becoming the number one overall pick. But that is the running narrative about Kyler Murray, that the Kyler Murray you don't see is a guy who is spoiled and not accountable and hasn't bit hasn't really figured out how to fight through adversity. That that's what enough people say. And even though you're not hearing it from Larry Fitzgerald Jr., you're hearing it from his dad. Still, you hear it from enough people, and you start to go, "Yeah, that sounds about right." Be sure to catch the live edition of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific, on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. It's the Doug Gottlieb Show. It's Fox Sports Radio. Reminder, Bet River Sportsbook is the most trusted name in online sports betting. You must be 21, present in Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, or Pennsylvania to play. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Um, you know, look, it's the middle of the week. It's hump day. It's the middle of our show, so we've reached... Stuck in the middle with you. It's time for... Stuck in the middle. The Midway. All right, this is the Midway. All right. The Midway. We try and find some fun, interactive topic to kind of get us over the hump. The Midway. All right, so this is the 60th anniversary of the Wilt Chamberlain 100-point game. So here's my question to the fellas, and maybe the question to you, Right. The greatest single game performance you've seen. We want to see, remember, what do you, how do you want to do it, Chase Stu? I think that it's, we should make it personal in that either we were alive for it, saw it on TV, or actually were there in person. Um, or played you, in the game, maybe. Or played yeah, in the game. Yeah. How about that? That's a great one. Um, Dan, you want to go first? I know you have something prepared. I the do. Midway. Yeah, it's funny because you say personal. There, there was one performance that always stood out to me in sports that is one of the greatest performances, uh, single performances that, that I had ever seen, and it's the 1991 World Series Game 7 where Jack Morris went 10 scoreless innings for the Minnesota Twins. That was that was like like I just game 7 of the World Series and your starter goes 10 and doesn't allow a run. It, it, it absolute crazy. But when you mentioned the personal thing, it all ended that Jack Morris reign ended for me on July 20th of 2021 when Giannis Antetokounmpo scored 50 points in a game 6 clincher for the Bucks over the Suns to have almost half of the team's points. And I know it's only half of what Wilt scored, but to do it in an NBA Finals Game 6. For a while, Jack Morris held this belt, but uh, Giannis now takes it over for me. Hmm. The Midway. Those are good ones. I, I love the uh, the personal touch. John, do you have one? For me, it was uh, I was just really getting into baseball. I was like eight years old. 
Dodgers, obviously, my team. They're in the World Series, and uh, Reggie Jackson hits like three <laughs> three home runs in one game. I was unbelievable. I'm like, is that? Ha- I've never had seen that before. A guy just take over an entire game, and of course, hence the name, Mr. October. Wasn't Bob Welch? Didn't he give up at least two of those? Yeah. Wasn't uh, that? It was Bert Hooten, Bob Welch, and yeah. uh, Charlie Huff were the three pitchers, I believe. Incredible. Um, the Midway. Now, I've, there are two things on this list. You know, I, I wanted to point out like an impressive single game, but then a not so. And I was, I was actually at both of these games, and we've talked in the past about this. I was at Kobe's sixty-point game. It's obviously not 100. It's not even his 82, but it was his last game. He was 37, his final game ever after 20 seasons, scoring 60, doing the mic drop at the end, being there in person. I'll I'll never forget that. But I was also at Carson uh, for a November 2017 game, um, Bills against the Chargers. And I actually witnessed Nathan Peterman and his five – or yeah, five – Six was it five interceptions yes. against the Chargers? He had six completions total for the game for sixty-six yards with a passer rating of seventeen point nine. Um, that's really hard to do to throw five picks in a single half. By the way, he was replaced in the second half. The midway. My turn. Best for last. Okay. Um, I am not a Yankee fan. I am not a Derek Jeter fan, right? But he had a home run for his 3,000th hit. And on the final day of his career at Yankee Stadium, I know he went and played up in Boston afterwards, he goes five for five and has a walk-off. And it's one of those, like, if you had to describe to somebody what what made Derek Jeter special, right? Because... Unlike LeBron, I'm not going to go down as the all-time scoring leader. He's not going to have the most MVPs. not going to have the most home runs. not going to have the most hits. It was that Derek Jeter was seen as unflappable. Same batting average in the postseason as regular season. The idea is he's clutch. He's, he's clutch. And, it, it, and the easiest way to point that out is for his 3,000 hit, he hit a home run. And his last game at Yankee Stadium, he went 5-for-5 five five with a walk-off. Like that's it's incredible. That was that was incredible. That was that was his sixty point game to Kobe having sixty in his last game. I mean, I, I would I would say this about this, and I'm not gonna taint your pick or anything, but I, I would question the integrity of the pitching that day. I mean, I Al Downing uh questioned whether or not those pitchers were trying to get Derek Jeter out. Al Downing, of course, served up Hank Aaron's uh or record-setting home run. And remember, it was at Chanho Park who gave a real nice fastball down the middle of the plate to Cal Ripken in his final All-Star game. Uh, I questioned the integrity of the pitching that day to Derek Jeter. But other than that, it was an amazing, amazing performance. Uh, okay, of these, I mean, like, I think the thing about Wilt's record is this. No one's ever breaking it. All these other records that we have, it feels like with, one more games and more possessions and more offense. It does feel like just about every other record in sports is going to be broken or tied at some point. Will Chamberlain's record is never going to be broken. It just is midway. It never will. It, it's one of those things. Single game, 100 points. I mean, how, how many shots did it take Kobe to get to 82? Who's come close since? Nobody. I mean, you would think Steph 
or Clay could because of how many threes they take, but just the volume of it just seems so unlikely. I, I think that in Jason, when he brought up the Nathan Peterman portion of it, like the, the flip side of it, there are moments in sports where, where you know, we remember Bill Buckner ball through the legs. We don't know what Bill Buckner did. Bill Buckner did that entire game. We just know what happened on that play. But when you go to like games or like what was an awful game, the one game to me that pops up is John Starks game seven, 94 finals. When you go two of 18, like when you talk about ineptitude or the flip side of the conversation that we are having, the John Starks game always pops up in my mind. Because it's known as the John Starks game, and you know exactly yeah. what we're talking about. The Midway. Am I am I a year off, or uh, was, was that series known for two things? Uh, John Starks and, and that performance, and was the slow-speed chase also yep. during that series as yeah. well? Yeah, no, same series. Same series. Yep. Because the uh, next year was Nick Anderson's free throws, but that's yes. not the game. That's, again, a moment, but to just keep shooting. And <laughs> <laughs> not make it? <laughs> Oh. Do uh okay, so what would be the greatest like to me it's like what's the greatest like pick sport, right? That that you've seen. Um I mean I remember Roger Clemens striking out twenty. Do you guys remember that game? Yeah. I do I remember Kerry Remember Kerry Wood? Wood? Yeah, Kerry yeah, Wood was It was a Friday. Was, yeah. Rig at Wrigley Field. Yeah, against so the filthy. Astros. So filthy. Back when the Astros were in the National League. Yeah, right? Mm-hmm. Um, on the flip side, I, I, I remember uh, Jeff Jenkins struck out six times in a game uh, for the Brewers. What like, what windmill, what what uh, what hat is that? Like the golden know. sombrero is three? <laughs> yeah, double golden, maybe. That, and that, was golden. A time, that was a time when strikeouts were actually frowned upon in baseball. Yeah, now they're like, dude, that's <laughs> nothing. The Brewers, and this is... Maybe, you know, 20 years ago, like Jose Hernandez, remember the shortstop was, he was a kind of all or nothing shortstop was going to set the record for most strikeouts in a single season. And they sat him like the final five games of the year because they didn't want that dubious record. Now guys are like, I don't care if I whiff, you know, 200 times. Uh, Mike tweets us. I'll take the 56 game hit streak. Mike, here's the problem. <laughs> Mike, you're not listening the to the, you're not listening to the exercise. Mike, Mike uh, Musiaco, Musiaccio. Sorry, Mike. I mean, you got your name has to come with pronunciation, guy. My bad. But like, look, the deal is very, very simple. Simple, bro. You got to give us one game. It's about one game. I got uh, Mike Rofone tweets in uh, F- Pete Rose's hitting streak. Just <laughs> and I just said microphone, <laughs> Mike, Mike, Mike Rofone. Microphone, yeah. The Midway. We, we all were thinking of a different name, but Gar- let's Gary, just keep it clean. Uh, Gary tweets the show. You might want to remind. I think he's talking about Jason. That the or that Jeter's last game was against the Orioles. They have no integrity for pitching. They haven't for decade. <laughs> and one. I know that because I'm a lifelong O's fan. Good one. No, you're right. I stand corrected. They're horrible. They weren't intentionally horrible. They're just horrible. They're just terrible. That's and right. That was, it was the last the last home game, right? Because his last actual game was like at Fenway. And they took him out like in the fourth inning or something. Yeah, I will say yeah. this, and in yeah. listener Mike's defense, um, maybe he, he maybe he started this segment late. He caught on a little late because you did add an aspect to this segment when you said a single game or something that happened that will never be I, broken. And I think DiMaggio's fifty six is pretty safe. 
Yeah, never be never be broken. That's that's fair, especially that's fair. with the shift. That's fair. I want to throw in Tom Brady's whole career on this conversation. Uh, <laughs> leader in passing yards. Sorry. <laughs> the midway. What's the greatest football game performance you've ever seen? Football game performance. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll, I'll tell you because my team won the game. But when Derek Thomas sacked Dave Craig seven times in a game against the Seahawks, but it was on the eighth time Dave Craig eluded the sack and found Paul Scancy in the end zone for a touchdown as the Seahawks won at Arrowhead. But I mean, it was he was in the backfield more than the Seahawks running backs were that day. But yeah, seven <laughs> sacks against the uh, the Seahawks. I, I, I got one for you. This is actually recommended by a listener, and it's, it is it is true. And I think we're all going to nod our head and go, like, yeah, that was really good. That was really good. Brett Favre, Monday Night Football, after his dad dies. 399 yards, four touchdowns, no interceptions. They were playing the Raiders, so. Ah. You know. <laughs> the Midway. Really? That was amazing. That was, that was an incredible game. I, I want to steal from uh, Frank Pomerantz, who is uh, – on a podcast that Doug just did. Is it Frank? Um, maybe it's Gary. Okay, Gary. <laughs> if it's Frank, <laughs> then I'm going to have to yeah. go back and re-record the entire let's, podcast. Let's clean that up in post. Uh, <laughs> clean that up in post. Uh, so uh, Gary Pomerantz actually brought up uh, the Gale Sayers game. I guess he scored like six touchdowns, <laughs> kickoffs, and, and uh, as a running back and everything else. Like it. Ramos, you're 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 silent here. What do well, you got? Well, no, Ramos? I don't. One game I remember that was stuck out to me was Eric Dickerson. I think he ran for like 224 yards against the Cowboys in the playoff game. Uh, I mean, which is a lot of running and play in regular season. It's still a lot, but in the playoff game when you have to win uh, to go for over 200 yards rushing, that's not bad. So that's the one I remember. The midway. I think we all remember when Red Grange scored four touchdowns in the first quarter against <laughs> Michigan. Was that against Johnny Lujak and Notre Dame <laughs> and the Four Horsemen? Oh, um, I'm surprised John didn't go Flipper Anderson running into the tunnel after New Orleans. Yeah, yeah. You know what? what about, I I actually what about Bo Jackson. What about Joe, Bo Jackson? 91 yards oh, around, yeah. around the yeah, end talk about against that. the Seahawks, and then he went and then he went through the tunnel. Like anything, Bo Jackson. But no, I know, especially against the Seahawks, because Byers the Seahawks. Oh, man, and it, telling you, fifth grade. <laughs> <laughs> that was that, I brought that story up recently. I think maybe it was on uh, last week when you were out, Doug. I remember Tony Dorsett running like a hundred yards from like the one yard line in a month. I think it was a Monday Night Football game. Yeah, he just ran. So it was ninety nine yards. Yeah, ninety nine. Yeah. Sorry, yeah, against the Vikings. Negative ninety nine. I know what you were saying though, but they were at the goal line. <laughs> Hold on a minute. Let me do this. The midway. Are there any sports moments we have left out? Um, <laughs> we've done a lot. Of we've done. All sports. <laughs> well, I tell you what, I had a great single game performance when I slept All right. through an entire game on the couch. I'm kidding. I'm trying to think. I like. <laughs> what about for you? What yeah, was your well, best single game performance, high, Doug? Was it like a high school game? Was it like a yeah? Co- high school. Okay, high school. High school. I had 44 Woo! against Woodbridge High School. Woodbridge High School. My old uh, AU teammate from when I was a kid, Adam Libby, was on the team. So too, I think that was they. They had Chris Burgess, who's who was an All American, went to Duke, and then he ended up transferring to Utah. Now he's actually assistant BYU. I had forty four, but actually, this is one of those. The next time we played them, I only had thirty two, but I was actually better. I had eighteen at the end of the first quarter, and they put two guys on me everywhere I went. So I still ended up with like thirty two and like I don't know sixteen, seventeen assists. But I literally had two guys on me the whole game. It was kind of cool. The midway. 
Doug Gottlieb show here on Fox Sports Radio. All right, enough of the fun. Um, do you see these Major League Baseball players just uh, eviscerating Rob Manfred and the owners? Right, Lance McCullers, it, it's mind-blowing these dudes legitimately caused these issues to continue to lie about it. Uh, they walk out on us in Dallas, lock us out, don't speak to us for six weeks, take weeks at a time to respond to our proposals, clearly don't care about fans, baseball, or the game. It's exhausting. Tigers catcher Dustin Garneau tweeted uh, this about Rob Manfred. The dude is lying to the public. They literally went quiet on us for 43 days and said they negotiated in good faith. Marcus Stroman, Manfred's got to go. By the way, every time there's a tweet that focuses on Rob Manfred, Rob Manfred should get a bonus, should not be fired. Do you know why? Why do you think that is, Jason Stewart? Um, Let's see. Get a bonus. Because he's taken fire for the owners, right? Correct, which is his job. His job is to run the league, but to act like a go-between for the fans, players, Players Association, and the owners. Like he's built for that. you got to be built for it. They call you clowns and you liar. You don't know what you're doing. That, that's what he's supposed to do. It's when the individual owners don't want to be called out. No chance. And nothing, he, not, nothing that the owners agree to or disagree about has anything to do with Rob Manfred. That's, that's their own. But he takes all the bullets. If you're a valued customer, you deserve a simple gesture of appreciation for your credit card company. That's why Discover matches all the cash back you've earned at the end of your first year. Discover exceptionally common sense. Learn more at discover.com slash match. Limitations apply. Wait till you hear what Dan Patrick had to say about baseball. We'll discuss as well next. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Every day at this time, we like to play for you a portion of a previous show on Fox Sports Radio or Fox Sports 1. We call it... What does the Fox say? What does the Fox say is brought to you by Hustler Turf. The brand lawn care professionals have trusted for years when it comes to premium zero-turn lawnmowers to run their businesses. And for us weekend shows, Hustler Turf is a full lineup of residential mowers. Visit HustlerTurf.com to find a deal near you. That's HustlerTurf.com. Dan Patrick had this to say about the sport of baseball. Like we never know, you know, how much money they make, how much they siphon off. It's easy to blame the players. We see the players. We get to go and watch them play. We don't get to sit around and, and watch an owner be an owner and get to boo, you know, get to cheer. I mean, Mark Cuban gives you that opportunity, but I mean, this is it, it's sad. It really is. It's predictable, sad. But it seems to happen every couple of years. In different sports, some we care about, some we don't. And with baseball, you know, the rapid decline of viewership. And, you know, it used to be there was more of a curiosity with baseball. It felt like the casual fan would give baseball a chance. Now it just doesn't feel like that. And the NFL is a 12-month, you know, a year sport. Baseball is no longer America's pastime. It's past time. That's the problem. Um, yeah. I mean, but we're, we're doing all different sorts of criticism there, right? Because in it, I heard criticism of the owners, and I heard a, um, 
a reality check for the players, right? That, and maybe it's a reality check for all of us, that, that the best days are long gone for baseball. Here's my take on the baseball lockout, strike, whatever. Okay. Everyone in the sport knew this was a very, there's a very strong potential of it happening for the last three years or so. The last labor deal was viewed as a complete win for the owners. And so the players set out with the idea in mind that there was going to be a massive change or else there would be no deal. The, the issue with the players is even when they're not wrong, they're not necessarily right. Let me let me kind of explain here. Okay, should the, should the should there be a bigger pool of money for guys on that rookie contract to get bonuses because they're not arbitration eligible? Of course. Okay, but if you start at a place of zero and you go to thirty million, right, as opposed to starting at thirty million and going to a hundred million. You have to understand that you're not starting with the blank slate. The owners are not sitting there going like, wait a second, we got we to gotta start this. To get, like, no, we're starting from the place where the last CBA was done. And for the players, how do you get from that place to a better place financially? And that, that's why the owners are like, it's not just that you're making 750 it's that you were making 550 now you're making 750 so you're increasing by one-third. Everything comes from whatever your starting place is. It, it's the same reason in negotiations. The same reason in negotiation that you, if you're going to start high, you start way high. If you're going to start low, you start way low. Because you're never going to go back. Does that make sense? Like, here's what I mean. House next to you. Okay, housing prices are obscene right now. Correct? Okay, so house next to you. L- let's say that it's on the market for $400,000. And a year ago, it was worth $300,000. And the guy bought it for two twenty-five, like five years ago. Right? So what, when you walk in to buy that house, you're like, look, we're two twenty-five. Realistically, what's it worth? Right? Realistically, it's worth in the threes. It's not worth four. Or maybe the guy's even asking for five for it. So you walk in, you're like, look, this is a $350,000 house and he wants four seventy five for it when he just bought it a year ago, you know, or just like a year ago it was worth 300. Now housing prices have, have smart. And what he can say is, look, I don't have to sell it. It doesn't matter what you think it's worth. Somebody else may co- come in here and tell me it's worth that. And oh yeah, by the way, if you offer three hundred fifty thousand dollars, I'm not going to start lowering my price below four seventy. I start at four seventy five because I'm never getting to five hundred if I start at four seventy five. I may stick at four seventy five. So I, I just think this is a common misconception about owners and negotiations. And also, there's this idea that we always say, well, all of these owners can make tons of money when they sell their team. You're right. Right? But they don't want to sell their team. They're not strictly in the business of professional sports to make money. If it was just about making money, you'd go as cheap as possible, as long as possible, and then you'd turn around and flip the team. Do you have any idea what you have to go through, all the hoops you got to go through to sell a team? Plus, once you sell a team, you're out. You're not selling a team and then getting back in and buying that team. 
So I'm not sitting here telling you I'm, the, I'm carrying the owner's water, but I do realize that the owners, they are their teams. They're allowed to make money. They're starting from a negotiation plank of strength, and the leverage that they have is they don't need every game in order to make it, make it all work. The players do. Check out the latest lines from World of Sports, Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Bet Rivers is the trusted name in online sports betting. You must be 21. President Colorado, Indiana, Illinois, and Pennsylvania. Play a gambling problem call 1 800 Gambler. And that's what the Fox said. What does the Fox say? Uh, I mean, look, I, I understand it feels like they didn't negotiate in good faith and feels unfair, but I'm telling you, most of America just doesn't care. We're not blaming the owners, not blaming the players. It's really easy to blame the owners because they're millionaires and billionaires. But it's like, look, we all want to go to a ball game. We all want to have a cold beer. And oh, yeah, by the way, we're on the precipice of being able to bet on these games in stadiums. And I think that's going to be the lifeblood of baseball. I think that'll save baseball. Uh, LeBron James says, don't count me out until I'm dead and buried 12 feet under. We'll take a look at the new grave options for the Lakers and how much dirt is being thrown on their proverbial casket. That's next to the Doug Gottlieb Show. Bury me 12 feet under. 